Hi, church family. Thanks for joining us again in our online experience. We've been studying through the book of 1 Peter, and today's uh, text in chapter 4 deals with the topic of suffering. I want to tell you a story about a lady named Sarah. It's not her real name, but the experience and her story is real, and it happened in another country recently. Sarah grew up in a very difficult situation, and at the age of 14, her parents married her off to a man that she didn't know. He was an alcoholic and a drunkard, and sadly, that, situ that life didn't last long for her, and she was able to divorce that man. But then her parents got her married off again to another person who seemed a little bit more respectable. But sadly, when, she became, when Sarah became pregnant, this man started to sleep around and started to abuse her. And so she went through a lot of sufferings and difficulty and pain early on in her life. During this time of COVID in the country that she was living in, of course, as in most places around the world, things became very difficult. And Sarah needed to provide for her family. And so through, through really uh, a, a way that the Lord worked is that she came in contact with a businesswoman who was a Christian. The businesswoman interviewed her and heard her story and offered her a job. And not only that, she gave her some money in advance so that she could buy the needed food for her family. Sarah was so blessed by this. She went home and bought the groceries that she needed. And she also bought some treats for her, for her children as well. And she came back and talked with that Christian business uh, woman and expressed her gratitude and thanks for, for what she had done. And that Christian businesswoman started to share the gospel, started to share the love of God with Sarah. And Sarah stared, shared a little bit about her story. But at one point in the conversation, when that Christian businesswoman said the name of Jesus, Sarah said, hold on, Jesus? And she, and she told a story of something that happened a few years before, where there were some people that came into her village and shared the story of Jesus and spoke about the gospel. And there were healings and miracles and amazing things that were taking place in that village. And one night, her husband at that time beat her, beat Sarah, and she started to bleed. And she ran over to her brother-in-law's place. Sarah didn't know, but her brother-in-law had started to attend these Jesus meetings and had made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And so her brother-in-law started to pray for her. And as he prayed for her, the bleeding stopped completely. And Sarah saw the power of God to heal in the name of Jesus. So fast forward now to this conversation with this Christian businesswoman, and she's sharing the love of God and the difference that Jesus makes. And Sarah remembers what Jesus did for her. This Christian businesswoman talked about the story of Hagar and how in the Old Testament, this uh, woman Hagar was going through sufferings and trials as well. And God saw her in her time of need and God spoke to her. And that really resonated with Sarah. And she thought, I'm probably like that. And does God see me in my pain and in my suffering? And that Christian businesswoman said, yes, God sees you. To make a long story short, Sarah ended up in a few weeks time giving her life to Jesus, committing her life to Christ and making a profession of faith. And now she is in love with the Lord and sharing with her family members and others about Jesus and his saving grace. See, Sarah had gone through a lot of trials and a lot of difficulties and a lot of sufferings, but the sufferings led her to an experience with Christ. The suffering she went through drew her into an experience with Christ 
and Christ was able to make a difference in her life in her time of need. You know, we will all go through sufferings and trials and difficulties. It's, it's part of life. The Lord says that we'll go through it. It happens to everyone, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. And Peter is writing in this uh, letter, and, and even specifically in this chapter four, he's writing to these churches throughout Asia and trying to encourage and help them because they're going through sufferings. They're going through persecutions. And Peter is trying to encourage them to see the meaning behind their suffering, the purpose behind their suffering, and helping them to see the fruit that can be born in this time of suffering. And Peter expands here in chapter four, a little bit of what he wrote in chapter three, which we heard about last week about the sufferings of Christ. And the beginning of this chapter begins with therefore, or so then, so that we can understand that Peter's trying to continue this conversation and explain a little bit more behind the purpose of suffering. And he wants to encourage the church. And I wanna encourage you today, that if you're going through sufferings or pain or trials or difficulties, the Lord is here with you to help you and sees you in your time of need. Timothy Keller wrote a book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And it's an amazing book if you get an opportunity to read it. And he gives a number of interesting propositions uh, in this book. And I'll, I'll give a couple of quotes uh, in the message today from this book. One thing Timothy Keller says, he says, quote, Christianity teaches that contra fatalism, suffering is overwhelming. Contra Buddhism, suffering is real. Contra karma, suffering is often unfair. But contra secularism, suffering is meaningful. There is a purpose to it, and if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. It's very interesting when people look at suffering, sometimes people see it as something that's inconvenient, something that's bad. But I think what we see in this chapter and through scriptures in its entirety is that there's meaning and purpose in suffering. And that's what I'd like to talk a little bit about this morning so that we can understand the meaning and purpose behind suffering. I've titled this message, uh, The Fruit of Suffering, because I think there are things that God wants to produce in our life through the sufferings that we go through. And I want to talk about three specific things. The first thing is the desire to do the will of God. The second thing is the deep love that we can share with one another. And the third thing is the joy that is brought out through sufferings. There's no better person really to talk about this than Peter because Peter went through a lot of sufferings as well. When we look back in Acts chapter five, we read about a time when the apostles were performing miracles and signs and wonders and the religious people of the day didn't like it. And so they caught the apostles and put them in prison. An angel came and set them free and they were back out preaching the gospel. The religious, religious people again caught them and brought them back in in order to question them and told them, you cannot speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and the other apostles said, no, we have to continue to do that. So what happened? They beat Peter and the other apostles and told them again, you can't speak in the name of Jesus. Acts 5 and verse 41 says, the apostles left the high council, not sad, but rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Can you see from this verse that there's meaning in the suffering? 
when they said God counted them worthy to suffer shame for the sake of Jesus Christ. So Peter knows what he's talking about, and he wants to explain to us and help us to understand that there's meaning and purpose in suffering, and that it's not just in vain. In this season of uh, the pandemic, maybe you're going through a lot of suffering. Maybe you're going through a lot of difficulty and trials, and, and all of us are facing trials to varying degrees and to, to varying lengths. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe a loved one has gotten COVID, or maybe a loved one has passed away during this difficult time. Maybe you're, there's some type of mental agony or physical pain or emotional uh, isolation and suffering that you might be going through. Maybe this whole season, as, as it continues to last longer, is taking a, a mental toll on you um, because of the isolation and because of the restrictions. I want you to know that in all of our sufferings and in all of our pain and all of our conflicts, God wants to bring meaning and purpose out of that, that there is something that God is doing that's beautiful and wonderful in our lives. So the first thing is a deep desire to do the will of God. In 1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. Here, Peter is making a comparison here. Peter is saying, hey, when you're able to suffer and understand that and go through that, you're actually ceasing from sin or you're stopping doing that. What happens is when we go through suffering, we realize really what is important and what is valuable. And the things of sin and, and, and desires that are sinful seem very, very small and irrelevant. And we look and see and understand the will of God and knowing God, and we see how much more important that is in our life. Here, Peter lists a couple of things uh, in this portion of scripture that he says that are things that they enjoyed in, a, in another life. He talks about immorality, lust, reckless and wild living, drunkenness, wild parties, idolatry. And Peter says, this is the type of life that you had before, but now the power of sin is broken. The desire of sin is broken. The longing for sin is broken because as you go through suffering, you see the vanity, you see the uselessness of all of these things that maybe at one point we counted as pleasure and something fun to do. That's what suffering often does in our lives. The lens of suffering helps us to refocus and see what is a priority and what is important and what really can be cast aside and is not good. And so we need to, in these days, really refocus our vision. We need to refocus our vision on the will of God, on knowing God, on following him, on seeing what really matters and what is really important. We need to refocus our vision on Jesus Christ and who he is. And many times suffering allows us to do that. As we go through pain and difficulty and trials and problems, we can refocus and see actually, this is what really matters in life. And these other things are not so important. If you look at the example of Esther in the Old Testament, she was queen over a huge land of Persia and God brought her into the palace really for a reason and purpose. At a time when her people, the Jewish people were gonna be annihilated and killed off, her uncle Mordecai came to her and told her, Esther, you need to go and appeal to the king. And maybe it's for this reason, Esther, that you have come into the palace for such a time as this. See, Esther, even though she had the palace and the pleasures and luxuries of all of those things, when it came time to a, a time of suffering for her people, 
she was able to refocus with the help of Mordecai to be able to see, hold on, there's something that's more important or valuable. Hold on, the will of God for my life, maybe God brought me into the palace for such a time as this. And so Esther said very boldly, she said, if I, I'm going to go and approach the king and if I die, I die. It was a very bold action from Esther, but she was able to refocus and see what really mattered. And that was to fight for her people. And that was to speak up for her people and to understand that maybe she came into the palace and into the kingdom for such a time as this to speak up for her people. And so in our life, we have to really understand and remember that God places us in situations and circumstances and allows us to go through sufferings and trials and difficulties for a purpose because suffering has meaning and focuses us and helps us to understand what God's will and purpose is for our lives and brings clarity and understanding. And these other things seem to sort of fade away. Has the pandemic caused you to run to the Lord? Has the pandemic, has the sufferings and the difficulties and the trial caused you to refocus your vision, to see what really matters, to see the importance of family and community and fellowship? Has the pandemic caused you to refocus your vision and, and, and see maybe these things are not so important, but really matters is my life and relationship with Jesus? Has the pandemic caused us maybe because we can't gather communally in, in a physical building, but now we need to develop more of a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ where we can walk with him on a daily basis and feed ourselves through the word of God and prayer and other methods and means? Has the pandemic caused us to really focus on these things? Has that lens of suffering really helped us to see what really matters? The fruit of suffering should be a desire to do the will of God. And suffering often causes us to refocus on that. The lens of suffering, it really can do two things. It can cause us to run to Jesus and focus on him. And sadly, sometimes when people go through sufferings, it takes them away from the Lord and can make them bitter and can make them question and, and ask, why God did you allow all of these things? It's the, the lens of suffering can do one of those two things. It, it can cause people to believe more in Jesus or actually cause people to believe not to believe in God. The lens of suffering can cause us to grow in Christ-likeness or actually decline in Christ-likeness when we see suffering as a problem and a pain. We can either rejoice in God through this lens of suffering or we can become bitter and start to question God. We can either do the will of God through this lens of suffering or we can just do our own self-will and say it's not worth it. We can either choose to love Jesus more as we go through suffering, or we can choose to reject him. But let me encourage you today, let's refocus our vision. Let's refocus our purpose and say, yes, I want to follow the Lord. Yes, I want to live for God. Yes, I want to use the sufferings and difficulties that I'm going through right now, especially in this time of the pandemic, to run harder after the Lord. Can I ask you to do something as you're watching right now? If you want to do that and if you want to just refocus, and I know I want to, can you just type in the comment section right now, refocus, and let that be a decision that you are making. Just type in the comment section, just type in that one word, refocus, and, and let's encourage one another to refocus. Let's encourage one another through the lens of suffering, through the lens of the difficulties that we're going through to look to Jesus and seek to do his will. 
The second thing is that through sufferings, it helps us to have a deep love one for another. Now, we could be going through sufferings and persecutions and problems and difficulties, and we can become very self-centered. A lot of times that can be the result. We can see, look at our situation and say, look at what I'm doing, look at the difficulty that I'm going through, and we focus on ourselves. But what Peter is saying in this portion is actually the complete opposite. He's writing to a group of churches that are going through suffering and persecution and difficulties. And he's saying, as you go through these sufferings, remember to increase in love. Remember that you should share the deep love of God one with another. First Peter four, verse eight, it says, most important of all, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers the multitude of sin. In this time of pandemic, we can choose to be self-centered and choose just to think about me and myself and my own desires and my own wishes and what makes things nice for me, or we can choose to show deep love to others. And Peter says in this passage, he gives a number of things that we could do. He says uh, from verse nine, he talks about the gifts that can be used. He says, show hospitality one to another, make a meal for someone. He talks about sharing God's love in that way. He says, if you have a gift of speaking, then use that gift to encourage one another. Maybe to get on the telephone and, and give a word of encouragement, check on somebody. Use that gift that God has given to you to bless someone else and show the deep love of God to others. He talks about the gift of helping. Maybe it's to buy some groceries. Maybe it's to help fix something. Maybe it's to go the extra mile for someone. Whatever it might be, we need to be the church. We need to be the body of Christ. And we need to reflect this kingdom principle and give and help one another. Show the deep love of God, especially during this time of the pandemic. It's interesting, if you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, he wrote so many wonderful and amazing letters, and he talked about encouraging others, showing the love of God, expressing the love of God. A lot of those letters, and even rejoicing in the Lord, a lot of those letters that he wrote, a number of them were written from prison, in a time of difficulty, in a time of suffering, because again, suffering causes us to be able to focus and give meaning to what we're going through. And Paul was able to write some amazing letters and encourage churches as he himself was going through sufferings. We know of a prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Jeremiah. He's known as the suffering prophet. He would say things and then people would persecute him and people would be after him because every time he would speak the word of God, a lot of the times people didn't like it. So Jeremiah came to the conclusion. He said, forget it. I'm not going to speak the word of God anymore. I'm not going to say it because whenever I do, it just turns out bad against me. But Jeremiah said the word of God in him was like a fire and it was in him and he had to speak out the word of God. He couldn't hold it in anymore and he had to speak out the word of God. Let me encourage you today. Let's speak God's word. Let's encourage one another. Let's bless one another with the deep love of Jesus. Let's share that one with another. Maybe in these days you've seen how other people have used their gifts and their talents to share the love of God. Can I ask you right now in the comment section, can you write down maybe something that you've experienced or something that you've done? Maybe somebody has done something for you, or maybe you've seen someone do something that has shown the love of God. And maybe you have done something that has shown the love of God. Can you write that in the comment section? And let's just see, let's inspire one another to good works. Let's inspire one another to share the love of God. And as you comment on those things and as you read what other people are doing, I want to encourage you to be inspired to good works. Be inspired to share the love of God. Be inspired to be the church. 
be inspired that even in the time of suffering and difficulty, we can do good for others by sharing the love of God. The third thing, and the last thing that I want to share is about the deep joy that we can experience in the midst of suffering. Now, this seems very opposite to our rational and logical thinking. Trials will come, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, trials will come. The difference is how we handle those trials. See, as Christians and followers of Christ, God expects something uh, from us. In, in, when Jesus was talking about the values of the kingdom of God, he talked about not only loving others, but also loving your enemies, forgiving your enemies. And that's what sets Christ followers apart from everyone else is not just loving anyone, but loving even your enemies. And I, th I think in this situation, when we talk about sufferings, the thing that sets Christ followers apart from everyone else that's going through sufferings is that we're able to rejoice and have joy in the midst of the sufferings. And that is so important. First Peter four, verse 12 and 13 says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Peter's saying, in the present time, right now, be very glad, be joyful. For these trials make you part uh, partners with Christ in his sufferings. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. See here, Peter says two things. He says, be joyful now, but also be joyful because of what's coming. Be joyful now, even in the midst of suffering, but also be joyful because of what's to come. Tim Keller, in that same book, he said, the secular view, in the secular view, suffering is never seen as a meaningful part of life, but only as an interruption. I find that quite interesting because a lot of times when we look at suffering, we question, in our, in our Western worldview, in our Western philosophy, we think, what, why is there suffering? Why is there evil? Why is there pain? We think of it as an interruption. We think of it as a bad thing. We think of it as coming in the way of the good things that I can experience in life. But really, the Christian worldview, which is much different from that, talks about the meaning of suffering. And that is not just something negative or something that's an obstacle in the way, but it's actually something that's a blessing. It's actually something that's a provision. It's actually something that helps us to experience God more. Because that's what we said at the beginning, that that lens of suffering can cause us to run after God more. That lens of suffering will give meaning to what we're going, to, going through and help us to do the will of God. Timothy Keller says, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrow, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrow, tasting the coming joy. Can you see the difference in those worldviews? See, Keller says, he lays out in, in this book, he talks about the Western view of suffering and evil and that it's an argument against the existence of a good God. And he says that, that that's really a modern worldview because it's only been around for about a, a 200 year, years or so. He calls it the modern secular view. It, it's a view that if God exists, he should be a good God and do something good. The way that I define goodness, the way that I want something good. But actually the Christian perspective and the Christian worldview of suffering and pain and difficulty is tied in very intricately to the sovereignty of God and to the suffering of our Savior. 
See, God is not just up in heaven and talking about all of these things and say, you need to go through suffering and all of these things. No. See, God is sovereign and he sent Jesus Christ, his son, as the suffering servant to suffer for us, to experience suffering in this body and in this world. So he knows what we're going through to a much greater degree. He himself suffered. And so he can relate to what we go through. And so the Christian worldview is one that gives meaning to suffering because of the sovereignty of God and because our God suffered for us. There's meaning in the suffering and there's hope in the suffering. So if you can see the distinctness between this this Western uh, worldview and thought where suffering is just a roadblock to be overcome, suffering is just getting in the way of me enjoying life and having goodness and uh, having a good life. Whereas the Christian worldview and the Christian perspective is that suffering has meaning to draw us closer to Christ. And that's why we can rejoice. That's why when you hear Paul writing about rejoice in the Lord, always rejoice in suffering, you know, praise God in suffering. We think that's craziness. How can I do that? Well, it's because it comes from a Christian worldview and perspective that's based in the values of the kingdom of God, that God allows all of these things for our good. That there's meaning in the suffering and that there's meaning in the pain to draw us into a relationship with Christ, to draw us into Christ's likeness, and that the lens of suffering focuses us on on what's really important in life. And we see what really has value and what has worth, not just for this life, but also for eternity. And that's why it says here that we can become partakers in Christ's suffering. You know, when Stephen, who was the first martyr in the book of Acts, when he was, was getting ready to be stoned, he was there and he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And he had joy at that time. He had a hope of eternity. He was willing and able to go through those suffering because of his worldview and that perspective that he had, that the suffering he was going through, that stoning that he was going through had meaning. There was joy in the process. Even Jesus, about Jesus, it says when he went to the cross, that he went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. There was meaning in going to the cross. There was significance for Jesus in going to the cross. It wasn't just a waste of time. It wasn't just something to do, you know, because that's what he was told to do. No, there was meaning in that suffering. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And he went to, to, to feel that suffering and hurt and pain in order to buy redemption for us. In, in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 10, it says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We'll go through times of sorrow and pain, no doubt. And I'm not saying we have to have a smile on our face all the time. Because joy is not dependent on our situation and circumstances. Joy is dependent on our relationship with Jesus. And so we can be sorrowful but always rejoicing because within we know what God is doing and that there's meaning in the suffering. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 6, it says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. There's wonderful joy ahead. There's amazing joy ahead, even if we have to go through some little trials. I want to close with the story of uh, Samson, who was from uh, Myanmar. Samson and his family lived uh, uh, at that time uh, recently, and uh, a pastor in that area shared the gospel with Samson and his family. And he saw the light of the gospel, and he accepted Christ and made a profession of faith to follow Jesus. The village around him heard, heard what happened, and the chief of the village heard as well, and they had this big meeting, and they tried to convince Samson and his family not 
to follow Jesus and to go back to the old ways. And so they tried their very best, but they couldn't do it. The next day, what happened was uh, five trucks came and dropped rocks and stones in front of Samson's house. He didn't know what that was about. The next morning when he was praying with his daughter, he heard someone yell from outside, kill him, Samson, ask your God to save you. And they started throwing stones at the house and breaking the doors and breaking the windows. Miraculously, Samson and his family escaped with just uh, some head wounds. They, were, they, they tried to burn down the house and they were not successful to do that. Uh, the story comes from the organization Open Doors who helps, to, who helps the persecuted church and persecuted Christians. And they actually came in and helped Samson and moved him to a safe house. But listen to the words of Samson, and this is really what struck me. This is what really, uh, really made a huge impact on my life when I read this. Here, the, uh, this is what Samson said. He said, the police officer came and asked the pastor who helped us whether we wanted to file a case or not. We said we didn't want to file a case. We will forgive them. Can you believe that? He said, we will be patient. After accepting Jesus, I can love anyone. Even if people hate me, I can love them. Because God is a loving God. God is love. He said, we are sinners. We need to accept Jesus Christ. We cannot compromise eternal life. Buddhists are good people, but we cannot follow Buddhism. Our faith is in Jesus. In my life, I've never had peace, Samson said. Before, I didn't have peace. Now, in Jesus, my life is peaceful. Even though I don't have money, even though I don't have anything, as long as I have Jesus, listen to what he says here, as long as I have Jesus, I am joyful. Before, even though we had money, we were not happy. There was no peace. Now, I have peace. I am happy. I have joy. This is my Christian life. Can you believe what Samson is saying here? How he can forgive, how he can love, how he can say, I have joy in the midst of the suffering that he was going through, in the midst of the pain and the rejection that he was going through. Samson said, I have joy. I want to leave you with one verse. It's the last verse in 1 Peter 4. And it says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Dear friends, I don't know what you're going through today. and I don't know the suffering and the pain and the difficulty that you might be facing, but I want you to know that Jesus will never fail you. Come to him. Surrender your life to him. Let's refocus on Jesus today. Let's look to Jesus today. Let's see him as the suffering servant who came to suffer for us. And now that suffering gives meaning to our life so that when we suffer, we become partakers of his suffering and we can understand what God is doing in our life to help us to do the will of God, to help us to share the love of God and to help us to rejoice even in the midst of difficulty and pain. We're gonna sing this song, Take My Life, and let it be. And let us just surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, here's my life. Do with it as you please. Help me to live for you. God bless you.